right, all right, all right. I'm Joe Turner, and this is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, a podcast for city managers and other public sector executives. It is the most influential local government podcast in America, and frankly, I'm damn proud of it. And I'm super grateful for your support. You guys have all been amazing to help uh, help me grow this platform, help me grow my LinkedIn channel. Uh, you guys have been amazing, and uh, without you, it wouldn't be possible. So thank you very much for your support. And while we're talking about support, I want to give a shout out to those individuals who generously supported uh, the podcast last week. I introduced the buymeacoffee.com donation link. If you are interested in donating to the uh, podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash unfiltered and make a donation today. That is buymeacoffee.com slash unfiltered. There will be a link in the show notes. Again, thank you to those people who have generously supported uh, this podcast. Uh, I, I am truly grateful and appreciative. So we are in 2024, folks, and I am super geeked, super stoked about the new year and the potential. Man, I have so many... So many big, big plans and objectives and goals in store for this new year. And I hope you all are excited about what the new year holds for each of you. Uh, Now is the time to do that mental reset and recalibrate and think about what you want the next year of your life to entail and to go after it. I want you all to go after it. Man, there's just so much potential out there. And I have I don't want to get into it now, but I have a lot of big plans, and those big plans include you all. So I hope many of you are going to join me along this journey over the next year because um, there's going to be a paradigm shift in the uh, city and county management profession. Okay, I can tell you that there's going to be a paradigm shift. There's going to be some things that are going to change. There's going to be some big developments, and I'm inviting you all to participate. I want you all to come along and join me on this journey. And uh, I want you to be a part of something special. So stay tuned. It's going to be a really exciting year. And uh, I want you all to have an excellent year too. So whatever your goals are, I want you to start putting one foot in front of the other. Start taking action. Stop wishing. Stop thinking. Stop dreaming. And start doing. Okay? I've shown you all over the last year plus, right? I started back in uh, late August, early September of 2022. And in a year and a half, a little bit less than a year and a half, You've seen what this platform and what I've done, how it's how it's evolved, how it's developed, and how I've built something from scratch. And you can do it too. It doesn't have to be on LinkedIn. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It can be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't even have to even be about city or county management. But uh, if you are uh, putting one foot in front of the other, you're going to get somewhere. And hopefully you get closer to your dreams and your aspirations. If I can help any of you in some sort of way, uh, if you are trying to build your LinkedIn platform, you're trying to build a podcast or wherever the case may be, please reach out and I'll do my best to help you. You know, I had a really, really exciting uh, conversation with an individual this weekend and I can't share the person's, I can't share this person's name, but what happened was this person made a comment uh, on one of my threads and I looked at their profile and I noticed that they were doing something that caught my attention. And so I reached out to this person and I said, hey, you know, um, and this person had like no followers, right? Nothing to report. And I'm not trying to talk them down or anything like that. But what I'm saying is I I saw something in this person, what they're doing, and it caught my attention. And they had nothing to really offer me, right? I've been doing this for a year and a half. They're starting from literally ground zero. And I reached out to this individual and said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm really curious about what you're doing here. And if I can help you in some way, let me know. Short, long story short, about a half hour later, we were on the phone having a conversation and we had about a 45 minute talk 
and me and this person had so much in common. Uh, and I, it was just, man, it was so energizing. It's so, frankly, it's so intoxicating to get on the horn, talk to somebody that shares your passion. Uh, they're, they're walking their own journey. I'm walking my own journey and perhaps we can help each other and work together. But it reminded me of being back in college. I don't know if you guys remember the days of being in college and, uh, and I was in business school at the university of Southern California. And, you know, that's kind of a cult, right? University of, uh, at USC, uh, Trojans fight on, you know, I always, we were always kind of a cult, right? We, we thought <laughs> we were living our own little world. And I remember when I was going to, uh, I was in undergraduate business school and we all thought we were the, you know, the shit, right? We all thought we were the, we're just cocky, arrogant. We just thought we had the world by the balls and we were going to do anything we wanted and we were going to be uber successful. And I just remember that passion, that excitement, that untapped, uh, unlimited potential. And so I, I talked to this uh, individual this weekend, and this person's about uh, 10 years my junior. And they were saying things that I felt like I was say I was literally like repeating kind of a conversations that I had to myself and you know, similar vision, similar excitement about a project they're working on. And this is a, a public sector uh, executive who is on their own entrepreneurial journey. And it was just an amazing conversation. And I bring this up because one, it gave me an idea of wanting to maybe reach out and form a mastermind group of like-minded public sector executives who have an entrepreneurial spirit or desire to do something uh, uh, like start their own business or, or what have you. So if you're out there and you're interested in maybe doing something like that, please let me know. Um, because it just was a really interesting conversation. But the other reason why I bring that up is because I've talked about this before, about how important and powerful LinkedIn and networking networking can be if you are being authentic and genuinely trying to give value and help other people, right? Like I, I reached out, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, so I don't want to sound arrogant, but it's might come, it might come off that way. But, you know, I reached out to this person who literally I didn't think had anything to offer me because they had no platform and literally they're starting. Uh, when I looked at their page, uh, they had no followers. And I'm like, man, I want to help this person, right? I, I, I want to give this person some ideas if, they're, if they want to, you know, if they want some feedback and what have you. And, and so it was just really exciting. And so what I would say again, as I've said before, is if you're on LinkedIn and you want to start using it, properly, in my opinion, you got to start putting yourself out there and you got to be authentic and you got to be having, you got to have the mindset of wanting to give and help others before receiving or taking. And, and I hope over the last year and a half or so, you guys have seen that I've had a desire to give and give and give and help. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this, uh, this entire time without making any money. So it's been obviously a huge time investment and a small financial investment in the grand scheme of things, but a huge time investment. So again, I'm going to repeat myself one more time. LinkedIn is incredibly powerful. You never know what kind of conversations and relationships you can build or create just by putting yourself out there and engaging with others. And um, I hope some of you guys uh, will take that to heart and start becoming more active in your own, in your own way. And if you want to build something on, on this platform or some other form or fashion, like I said earlier, uh, reach out and I'll do my best to help because I, I believe in, I don't believe in the zero sum game, right? I don't believe that when someone wins, I lose, or when I win, you lose. Um, I want everyone to be successful and grow and accomplish whatever it is that they set their mind to. So anyway, uh, that was an exciting conversation. Kind of a segue off of that. 
as I alluded to earlier in the previous episode, I'm going to start monetizing this platform as, as best I can. Uh, I want to start earning some revenue off of this because I've invested so much time. I mean, hours and hours. It's, you know, God, I, I don't even want to think how many hours I put into this whole thing over the last year and a half plus. It's kind of scary, actually, when I stop and think about it. Um, but I have uh, been talking to some uh, potential uh, partners about sponsoring, so forth and so on. So there might be some developments in the very near future. Things are going to get really exciting on that front because uh, when I start generating some revenue, it's going to give me the potential to do some other things and grow the podcast and, and just get better and you know maybe hire a production team, so forth and so on, so I can kind of alleviate some of the, the chores of the podcasting creation process that I do not like, like editing. Uh, editing is a pain in the butt. So anyway, uh, look for that. Since we last uh, talked, uh, I have started a YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube slash City Manager Unfiltered, I have my first video up there. It's called uh, F-Bombs in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, yeah, I'm going to start growing that YouTube platform. I think what I'm going to do is turn it into uh, you know different types of content, not, your, not the kind of content I post on LinkedIn exactly or that I talk about in the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure how niche I'm going to be, but uh, maybe it's going to be uh, videos on uh, council members behaving badly. I, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to try to do something a little bit different there to broaden my reach and grow my audience. Don't be afraid to check it out. So if you're on YouTube, please go and subscribe to uh, youtube.com slash city manager unfiltered. Uh, so you'll start seeing my feed. Man, it's been busy uh, since we last talked. We had the so we had two Fort Meade episodes, right? Um, after the last episode, Pat Oman, the Minnesota County, um, executive who had agreed to take the job in Fort Meade, Florida, supposedly he had signed the contract and I was speculating that he was going to get fired before he started or that he could negotiate his uh, 20 week severance agreement with Fort Meade without even going down there. Well, apparently he never signed the contract and then the Fort Meade council rescinded the offer. So he's not going to get any severance at all looks like because he never signed the contract in the near future i'm going to be dropping some episodes with jordan cook he's the nevada iowa city manager interesting story with him is he applied for the nevada city manager job when they were hired a recruiter to do the recruitment and didn't get a sniff didn't get through the process uh, for whatever reason nevada then switched and went to an in-house recruitment process he reapplied and got the job. So we're going to talk about that a little bit on the podcast, as well as his thoughts on uh, recruiters and the overall recruitment industry at the moment. So stay tuned for that episode. I also did a, a really fascinating uh, interview with Tim Nowak. He is a fire and EMS consultant, and he is sort of like, in my words, the Joe Turner of the fire EMS niche on LinkedIn. He, he has his hot takes and spicy comments and uh, and I have a lot of respect for him because he says a lot of things that other people won't say. But uh, we had a very fascinating conversation, so look for that episode to come up soon. Um, I just got done interviewing Charlotte Colley. She's the former Miami County, Ohio administrator, and she had a really tough experience there. And we're going to talk about her Christian faith and how that helped her get through some of the hard and tough times in her city, city and county management career. And I think you're going to enjoy that episode. Also, um, I should be having James Freed... Uh, on the podcast soon to talk about his SCOTUS case. If you recall, he's uh, got a case before the Supreme Court of the United States having to do with social media and Facebook posts. He had a, an, a citizen who was not a fan of his, who apparently was stalking uh, his page or, or whatnot on social media and making comments, and it's his personal page, and so James blocked him. 
and this has become a Supreme Court issue, it's going to have a huge impact on all of us, uh, depending on how the Supreme Court rules. So I'm hoping to have him on the podcast in the near future. And I'm also to have some exciting updates about his uh, lawsuit against the ICMA. Not sure when I'm going to be able to announce more on that, but stay tuned. I'm really, really looking forward to digging into that a little bit more. Okay. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, ICMA has got a chat GPT AI conference, the local regional conferences. Listen, guys, I beat up on ICMA a lot, and I'm not trying to beat up on ICMA here. I mean, I, I respect the hustle. You want to have conferences. You want to make money. But why, if you work in the public sector, would you pay four to $500 to attend this conference to talk where they're going to talk about chat GPT and AI? You're going to give up one or two days of work, right? Which, I mean, that's hundreds of dollars right there, too. You throw in your travel costs plus your hotel costs. I mean, we're talking over $1,000 easy to attend this conference on ChatGPT AI when you can go over to civicinnovation.ai and purchase Micah Gaudet's ChatGPT course for a few hundred dollars and, and basically get the real deal. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. So uh, I really think that one of the best values out there is uh, Micah's course. I really think that those individuals in the public sector who are trying to advance their career that the no-brainer, best value, obvious choice is to learn ChatGPT AI, and there's no better way to do that than to purchase Micah Gaudet's ChatGPT course over at civicinnovation.ai. I, I just, I believe that. There's bar none. It's the biggest no-brainer. So uh, consider that. All right, let's turn our attention now to the main topic of this episode, and that is the fact that we have a disgruntled ICMA spouse. <laughs> I still can't get wrap my head around this whole thing completely. Oh, we have a we have a disgruntled ICMA spouse who's going around putting in public information requests on ICMA executive board members across the country, and this person reached out and wants me essentially to put this out there. Okay, this spouse has been. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I can't believe this is real life. So there's a spouse out there. I don't know, husband and wife are listening to the podcast, reading my post on LinkedIn, and they're like, hey, I'm paying for these dudes out of, we're paying for these dudes out of our own pocket. <laughs> what is going on here? And why are, why are these executive board members going on expensive junkets across the country and then bragging about it at a conference like, you know, Jeff Towery did back in Austin in October? So the spouse has been communicating with me now via email and I've been getting some document dumps, okay? And it is shocking to me the number of ICMA executive board members who have stonewalled these public information requests that this person has put in for. And so I wanna unpack it in this episode a little bit more, okay? All right, let's start with Val Marie Turner. She is the deputy city manager for Fairfax, Virginia. She is on the ICMA executive board, uh, currently serving as the vice president for the Southeast region. And she was on the executive board when they voted to publicly censure James Freed and strip him of his ICMA credential. Now, this individual who's doing the public information request, they sent in a request with a subject line reading uh, Troy Brown documents. I guess they're looking for conversations between Val Marie and Troy Brown. And um, <laughs> apparently... Uh, Fairfax, Virginia, I don't know who ordered it, I assume Val Marie Turner, 
uh, has blocked this person's email address on their server. So I guess now he can't communicate with them anymore using that email address. I'm not sure if that's illegal or kosher. It's kind of funny to me that James Freed, it has a Supreme Court case now over uh, blocking someone on a social media page, but yet you have a public sector executive who apparently is blocking individuals from making public information requests via email. So, um, so yeah, Val Marie Turner apparently doesn't want to turn over documents related to ICMA conversations with Troy Brown, and I'm not sure what else this individual asked for. But it doesn't stop there, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to the next one. All right, now let's check out Scott Colby, the assistant town manager in the town of Windsor, also on the executive board. So this person sent an email that reads as follows. Hello, under the Connecticut Freedom of Information Act, please provide electronic copies of all email and text message records, including attachments sent and received by Assistant Town Manager Scott Colby using city email address blah, blah, blah for the time period between January 1st, 2021 to November 1st, 2023 that include any combination of the following keywords. This person asked for ICMA, ICMA board, ICMA president, ICMA expense report, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and then golf, wine, and travel. Okay. Colby writes back to this person and says, this email is to acknowledge the receipt of your Freedom of Information Act request dated November 21st, 2023. I will begin the process of gathering the information that you have requested. This may take approximately between four to six weeks as the request is for numerous years of information. Thank you in advance. <laughs> so, so the ICMA spouse writes back, thank you, Mr. Colby. The Connecticut law requires records within four days. With the ability of technology these days, a run of your emails with the keywords should take less than a day. You can confirm with your city attorney about the timeline. <laughs> Colby writes back, the town attorney has confirmed that under Cal uh, that under Connecticut FOIA, it requires an individual to acknowledge a request within four days. Records are then to be provided promptly, which is determined by the scope of the request. This request is extensive. Thank you in advance. Respectfully submitted, Scott. Fast forward a month. Now we're looking at December 27th, okay? And the requester of the information says, hello. <laughs> Given the town's inability to do an email data search like some of your board cohort are able to do, I will reduce the scope and request the emails from your town email address related to any golf outings during or in conjunction with an ICMA board meeting weekend, including day before, after, et cetera, with other board members during your time on the board. I believe the, <laughs> I believe the meeting locations were La Jolla, California, Atlantic Beach, Florida, Columbus, Ohio, Savannah, Georgia, Austin, Texas. This reduced request also includes the expense reports for these trips that were sent via your city email address to ICMA and or any additional expense reports that you requested reimbursement for these trips for by the town of Windsor. Thank you. Two days later on December 29th, Colby decides to put an end to this and writes back, good afternoon. After carefully reviewing the items, consulting with our town attorney and staff at the Connecticut Freedom of Information Commission, I am denying the request. ICMA is not a public agency. The records being requested are not classified as public records as they do not relate to the conduct of the public's business under this definition, and no public funds have been expended while serving as a board member of this organization. Therefore, these are exempt from the Freedom of Information Act, Connecticut General Statute, yada, yada, yada. So every state has their different rules and procedures when it comes to public information and how they define them. I'm not sure exactly how Connecticut works, but 
I, I, it's a very interesting statement to have uh, Colby say that no taxpayer funds are expended on ICMA activities because, I mean, doesn't he have to pay his dues? And I'm, I mean, most cities are paying dues for their executives. I'm not sure if Colby meets that definition or not. I'm not sure if he's paying out of pocket. Uh, and then the other question I have is, are these executive board members, are they taking time off to attend these out-of-state and out-of-country trips? Or are they going and working remotely and, uh, and you know, not taking time off. I'm, I'm a little bit curious about that arrangement. Um, I suspect, um, not I suspect, I know that this individual is also requesting calendar information from various executive board members. So it's going to be interesting to see if any of these executive board members are taking time off or if the city is allowing them to earn their full-time regular pay while they're on these out-of-state and international trips for the ICMA. All right, so let's uh, turn now to Beaumont, Texas, Kenneth Williams, because Kenneth Williams is also pushing back on a public information request submitted by this ICMA spouse. So the assistant city attorney for the city of Beaumont sent in a letter to the office of the attorney general, Ken Paxton, requesting an opinion on this open records request and basically their position is similar to that of connecticut inciting incites texas law saying that these icma communications are technically not public records it says this request in exhibit a asks for emails and other messages sent or received by the city manager of the city of beaumont kenneth williams at his city email containing any of a list of a keywords and for messages that were sent between the city manager and a list of other individuals. The city of Beaumont asserts that these records are materials that do not relate to the official business of the city of Beaumont, nor do they relate to Mr. Williams' duties in his official capacity as the city manager for the city of Beaumont, Texas, and therefore do not fall under the Texas Government Code Chapter 552.002. Instead, they relate to the official business of the International City County Management Association, ICMA, which is not a quote-unquote governmental body as defined in state statute and concerned Mr. Williams' position within the organization. Further, the city of Beaumont asserts that the requested information falls under attorney-client privilege that go to the heart of an existing legal matter and therefore are exempted from the release under Texas government code. Now, I believe they're talking about James Freed. I'm not sure what other existing legal matter there could be, so I think this is related to James Freed when they're, when they're citing attorney-client privilege. So, What's interesting about this is that this is not official city business, according to the assistant city attorney for Beaumont, Texas, by the name of Chase Ingman. Okay. However, I've come across what I believe to be is Kenneth Williams' contract. Now, it's, un it's unsigned, and it's dated August 22nd, and I got it from a local news site. I'm pretty sure it's the actual contract that was ultimately signed. Uh, it's possible I might be mistaken or this was amended in some form or fashion, but I'm pretty darn sure that this is the, uh, I'm pretty darn sure that what I'm going to quote for you is unchanged and whatever the final document was, right? So in his contract, it starts on page six, section four called professional growth. And on 4.1, it reads professional dues and subscriptions. The city agrees to budget for and to pay for professional dues and subscriptions of the manager necessary for the continuation and full participation in national, state, regional, and local associations and organizations as necessary and or desirable for the good of the city through the manager's continued professional development, growth, and advancement. Further, it says under 4.2, professional development travel. The city agrees to budget for and to pay for travel and subsistence payments 
uh, expenses of the manager for board membership, professional and official travel and meetings to adequately continue the professional development of the manager and to pursue necessary official functions for the city, which may include, but are not limited to the International City County Management Association Annual Conference, the Texas Municipal League, the Texas City Management Association, National Forum of Black Public Administrators, and such other national, regional, state, and local government groups and communities in which the manager is a member. Okay, let me repeat what that said. That said, official travel and meetings to adequately continue the professional development of the manager and to pursue necessary official functions for the city. It is saying that his participation in the ICMA is an official function for the city. How is this not city business then and when they're trying to deny this public information request? It goes on to read in 4.3, professional continuing education that the city also agrees to budget for and to pay for travel and subsistence expenses of the manager for short courses, institutes, and seminars that are necessary and or desirable for the good of the city through the manager's professional development. Now, how is it that the taxpayers of Beaumont, Texas can pay for this man's dues, pay for his expenses for different trips, and say that the ICMA is a necessary official function for the city and then simultaneously try to deny this public information request that is being submitted by the disgruntled ICMA spouse. How do you wrap your head around that? Huh? You have a contract that's pay- the taxpayers are paying the dues, paying the dues of their city manager to be a part of this organization, but somehow emails about the organization on the city email address on the city server are not subject to disclosure to the individual requesting these documents. I find that incredibly suspect. Okay. All right. So let's turn our attention to Jeff Towery, the former president of the ICMA. We've talked about him before. He's the one that wanted to brag about all his fancy dinners that he had on his international junkets at the uh, conference in Austin back in October. Well, this uh, disgruntled ICMA spouse uh, has Jeff Towery in the crosshairs and uh, they sent in a public information request. I don't have the initial request, but I have a response back from McMinnville uh, from the McMinnville city clerk, I guess uh, it is. And she writes back to this individual. Thank you for your patience while we look into your request. Below is the cost estimate it would take staff to produce your public records request. This is for the time period of January 1, 2021 to November 1st, 2023 to include the 23 keywords and the two or from the 17 people you've listed. Due to the volume of the time frame and keywords, the work will be extensive and costly. If you'd like to reduce the cost of your request, here are some areas in which you might want to do so. The letter states that due to the volume of the time frame and keywords, the work will be extensive and costly. Do you want to guess how much McMinnville wants to charge this person for their public information request? Does anyone want to guess? <laughs> $6,788.86. Let me read that. They want to charge $6,788.86. And because of the amount of the request, they expect the requester to pay that money up front in advance in order to complete the uh, the search. So so our, our hero, the ICMA disgruntled spouse, <laughs> writes back to... Uh, the McMinnville clerk or recorder. Thank you for the information. The cost seems excessive for electronic records. I will take that up with the Oregon Government Records Commission. In the meantime, please narrow the records request to the following. <laughs> now wait for this. <laughs> 
Doris Towery plus the McMinnville Downtown Association, Doris Towery plus the McMinnville School District election, Doris Towery plus ethics, Doris Towery plus conflict of interest. So apparently this spouse is aware of some, I don't know what's going on with uh, Mr. Towery and Doris Towery. I believe that's his wife uh, after having done some research. And I guess there's some relationship between the city of McMinnville and the McMinnville Downtown Association, which she used to be, I think, the executive director of, and now she's uh, got elected to the school district election in McMinnville. So <laughs> I don't know if this violates ICMA code of ethics or not, but apparently this person is uh, wanting to target that. Okay, so this person narrows down the request to those four things, looking for information about uh, Jeff Towery's wife and various uh, four searches, right? Okay, so you want to guess what the cost gets reduced down to? So before it was like, what, 6000 and change, right? So uh, the cost has been reduced to a mere $1,192.12. So in order to get that public information request filled, this individual's going to have to pay $1,200 to the city of McMinnville to get this information. I don't know. That seems pretty excessive to me, guys, uh, to uh, to get uh, four searches done via email, unless I'm misunderstanding something here. It begs the question, what are these ICMA executive boards hiding? Why are they not disclosing this information? And I can tell you that this person <laughs> seems a lot like me, a junkyard dog. And I think they're going to be on a bender and looking for uh, executive board information when it comes to calendars and expenses, expense reports, and trips. So uh, I don't know, guys. If you're on the exec board, you better start minding your P's and Q's if you just got on there. And you might want to start uh, taking your conversations offline because <laughs> this person's coming after you. That's going to pretty much wrap it up for this week's episode, folks. But uh, we're just getting started because the, this the disgruntled ICMA spouse has additional documents that they've sent me, and I believe I'm going to receive more in the near future from other requests that are outstanding. Uh, but the other batch of documents that we haven't tackled yet is apparently a very vigorous debate and discussion within the ICMA between some city managers and other members with the exec board about the organization's um, aggressive push of DEI policies and the politicization of the organization and a belief that the ICMA is embracing uh, left, leftist political ideology and that it's, not in, that it's basically veering off the path of being non-political, non-partisan. And so you have these city managers and other members who are expressing frustration in this communication about it. And uh, I've done some uh, vetting so far, and I can confirm that these documents seem to be legit. And uh, we're going to talk more about it. So uh, that's going to be coming up in future episodes. Uh, I'm not sure when I'm going to talk about that. Uh, I'm also waiting for more information. But I got to tell you, folks, uh, there's a lot of people as a result of listening to my podcast and following my LinkedIn content over the last year and a half, they're becoming emboldened with the idea of challenging the ICMA and holding it accountable. And I will tell you, folks, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The ICMA, man, it's like, you know, the emperor wears no clothes, guys. I can tell you that you would be shocked over the last year how many city managers and members of the ICMA have approached me privately and expressed their displeasure and dissatisfaction with the ICMA and the direction it's going. 
I've had big names and big communities express a lot of criticism about the ICMA and it's caught me off guard. And because I thought, you know, I was on an island by myself and I'm just, you know, who, who am I? And I just figured, you know, everyone is a, a supporter of this monolithic organization. But I can tell you that there's a lot of folks out there who are begging uh, for an alternative, who are begging for an alternative option. I can inform you now that one of my big plans moving forward for 2024 is to create an alternative option. It's not it's not say, hey, you got to be in one or the other, but it's to give those folks who uh, feel disenfranchised or discontent towards the ICMA who feel like they do not belong there, uh, that they want to join another organization that is going to be apolitical and is going to focus on the professional city manager and putting the city manager and other public se- executives uh, uh, first instead of the profession of city management. You know, it, it really boggles my mind how city and county managers in the organization, an organization that was ostensibly created and founded to serve them and their needs, have become second-class citizens within the ICMA. You have uh, members who, it's the, the membership's been watered down, right? So you have a bunch of people who are not even close to being in the executive levels of the public sector who have become members and they're allowed to vote on a code of ethics that doesn't even apply to them, right? Because the code of, the code of ethics the entire list of the tenants only applies to city and county managers. Even assistant and county uh, assistant and deputy city and county uh, managers uh, are not subject to the entire uh, list of the tenants. And so you have individuals who have no accountability, who are not subject to the same rules and requirements that they're voting on to, to force other city and county managers to uh, be beholden to. Why is it that they get a say in that? I don't understand that boggles my mind. And the, frankly, the code of ethics is being weaponized. I don't know why any member of the ICMA would allow themselves to be part of an organization that would allow the code of ethics to be weaponized against them uh, willy-nilly based off of personal and political vendettas. You know, I'm not saying the ICMA is all bad and there's nothing good about the ICMA, but you're going to allow an organization that is increasingly becoming politically partisan, moving to the left. I mean, you have the chief of staff for the for the CEO, Marcotte, right? You have Ray Beret, the chief of staff, who is donating money to uh, Democrat co- uh, candidates, not only as an employee of the ICMA, right? But when he was the chief of staff for Mark Ott, when Mark Ott was the city manager in Austin. And I mean... Think of how brazen and what is going on. And, you know, I, I filed this uh, complaint against Ray Beret, this ethics complaint, a couple months ago, uh, I think way back in October. How long does it take the ICMA to investigate an ethics complaint when the, uh, the facts of the matter, the data, I've already done the research for you. We're talking about public data, right? This is pu- these are public records, campaign uh, donations. What does it take to actually do an investigation with the ICMA? How long does it take to do that? And, you know, I, I have it on good authority. I had multiple managers suggest to me back in October that they were going to file ethics complaints against Bill Frazier and uh, Pamela Antill related to that text exchange where they were talking about punching James Freed in the face and calling him a douchebag or whatever it was. And multiple individuals suggested to me that they were going to file an ethics complaint against those two individuals. Well, is the ICMA slow walking that investigation? I bet you they are. You know why? Because the last thing they want to do is have uh, a confirmation of an ethics violation against Pamela Antill and Bill Frazier when they are in the middle of a lawsuit with James Freed. Because 
you know, when when you actually punish and you discipline uh, Bill Frazier and Pamela Antill for violating the ICMA Code of Ethics, and they're the ones that were sitting in judgment of James Freed and denying him the opportunity to have a fair hearing before his peers, right, when they were rendering a verdict that would ruin his career. Because I've told you before, right, we, I, I've given you the link to Karen Pinkos' uh, 2019 uh, conference, right, the annual conference statement where she talked about how the code of uh, the Commission on Professional Conduct or whatever it's called takes public censures very seriously because they realize they're dealing with someone's career. What, how long does it take to investigate a text a text message? And you know, I, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Apparently, nothing gets investigated in a timely fashion within the ICMA. I, I don't know. I, I find that troubling. But anyway, getting a little off on a tangent. My whole point on this is is that I think there's a lot of city managers and public sector executives out there who are looking for an alternative option, an organization that is gonna be apolitical, nonpartisan, and focus on building that community, right? That that sense of community and connectedness for uh, public sector executives, working on that personal and professional uh, development like I've talked about, and also advocacy, right? We, we, we want somebody or something to stand up for city managers and be an advocate for us. And uh, right now the ICME is not doing that. I think it's sorely lacking in this profession. and. We're gonna we're gonna see how this progresses. So stay tuned. Twenty twenty four is gonna be a big year. I hope you guys jump on board and join up uh, with me because uh, we're gonna do some great things together. We're gonna we're gonna revolutionize the profession and how we're approaching it. So I'm really excited. Um, if you've been following what I've been doing since the beginning, you see that whatever I do, I kick ass on. I'm serious as a heart attack, and I mean business. And we're gonna get it done. We're gonna build something that's uh, really special. So stay tuned. Looking forward to working with you all and talking to you more about it in 2024. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Thank you for your support. Uh, Once again, if you like this podcast, I really would appreciate it if you uh, hit the uh, follow and subscribe button. If you left a review, those uh, two things are very important in the ratings on Apple uh, government charts, right? So uh, they they judge your podcast based off the uh, the velocity of the number of reviews and ratings you're getting, along with um, the number of subscriptions and follows and the, and the listens, right? So if you really support what I'm doing, I'm not asking a lot. Please hit that rating button. Please leave a review. And if you'd like to donate to the uh, podcast to support what I'm doing, you can hit me up at the uh, buymeacoffee.com slash unfiltered donation button that is on the uh, show notes. And uh, thank you again for your support, guys. I really appreciate it. Man, onward and upward. So I am Joe Turner. This is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, the podcast for city managers and public sector executives. It is the most influential local government podcast in America. Catch you next week.